little pause, Big Shoes, Pop Print Ministries welcomes new therapy pup. Normal Police Chief announces retirement. More on these stories, I'm Sierra Henry. I'm Kelsey Watsonauer. And this is Lee Enterprises Long Story Short. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Long Story Short, where we recap Central Illinois news from Lee Enterprises journalists. We're jumping in today with some local government news, starting with some state house news. This week, Illinois State House reporter Britton Moore wrote about veteran Chicago Tribune reporter Ray Long's new book, The House That Madigan Built, a 240-page biography detailing major developments in Illinois state government and politics over the last 40 years. The book seeks to contextualize how former Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan, whose reign spanned 36 years, used the levers of government and politics to amass power that will likely never be held again by any legislative leader. Madigan was recently indicted on 22 counts of federal racketeering charges. Britton talks about the book in his latest column, which can be found at pantograph.com, herald-review.com, or jg-tc.com. And some potentially exciting foodie news, the Decatur City Council is considering changing the rules for food trucks to allow them to be downtown more often. Currently, food trucks are only permitted downtown for special events, festivals, and celebrations, but this week the majority of the council indicated they would prefer if the rules allowed food trucks to operate like they do in other areas of the city. Outside downtown, food truck vendors with food handling permits from the Macon County Health Department set up in private parking lots. An ordinance to change the downtown restrictions could limit hours or the city blocks that are available to them. City Manager Scott Wrighton said he will come back to the council with an ordinance in the near future. To hear what that ordinance could include and what council members had to say, find Brendan Moore's full council coverage at herald-review.com. A grant of nearly $500,000 was awarded to Workforce Investment Solutions in Macon County this week, aimed at helping the organization create opportunities for women, people of color, and veterans to receive pre-apprenticeship skill training in the construction industry at no cost. The grant is combined effort between leadership from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local 146 and the Decatur Building and Construction Trades Council, the Workforce Investment Solutions Executive Director said. One Level, a local nonprofit which provides vocational training and pre-apprenticeship programs, is working alongside these organizations to provide the necessary education and pathways for individuals to work in the trades. These apprenticeship programs are a co-op between One Level and Richland Community College held at the Decatur Public Library and IBEW sponsors the class certifications while Workforce Investment Solution provides the grant money to support students in their endeavors. Matus Janik has a full story about how this came together and how this money will be used to bolster the local workforce, so check that out at herald-review.com. The Farm Progress Show has extended its contract with Brush College in Decatur through 2031 to continue its biannual location for the Outdoor Agricultural Showcase, which attracts visitors from around the world. Few details in the contract have changed, so the show is held at Progress City USA adjacent to Richland Community College. The location was first selected as the first permanent site to host the Farm Progress Show in 2005. Since launching its permanent site in Decatur, the Farm Progress has constructed a similar location in Boone, Iowa, and alternates between the two sites. The next show indicator is set for August 29th through 31st in 2023. To read more, find Donette Beckett's full story at herald-review.com. 
The Illinois Department of Insurance this week has fined Healthcare Service Cooperation, the parent company of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois. It is the latest development in an ongoing contract dispute between the insurer and Springfield Clinic in Decatur. The department found that Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois violated the state's Network Adequacy and Transparency Act when it did not properly file updated network adequacy filings for following the termination of its contract with the Springfield Clinic. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois is the state's largest health insurance company, and the Illinois Department of Insurance stated that BCBS of Illinois submitted adequacy filings on March 3rd and 17th, 95 days and 244 days late, respectively. The company will have to pay $1,000 per late day or $339,000. For more information, find Brendan Moore's report at herald-review.com. A local podiatrist is seeking to help kids feel less scared when facing common foot problems through a new coloring book. Carl Cortese has an office at College Avenue and Veterans Parkway in Normal, as well as offices in Clinton and Pontiac, and has published the book Sammy Soul Saver and the Foot Caring Coloring Book, which is set to be released next month and will be available for doctor's offices across the country. The book teaches kids about some of the common foot ailments children may face, like warts, fungus, and heel spurs. Each is represented by a cartoon antagonist or arch enemies, I love that, which children get to color in. Connor Wood spoke with Cortese about the upcoming book, so if you want to read more, find his full story at panograph.com. I love this idea, <laughs> mainly because I worked in a podiatry office for um, between my freshman year of high school and basically up through like community college. It was owned by my grandpa, so I think it's really important for kids <laughs> to understand um, how to take care of their feet because they can get like athlete's foot so easy and if you get athlete's foot it's like I mean it is it is it is impossible to get rid of I mean not impossible but it is it is very difficult to get rid of so very supportive very happy I'll be telling my grandpa about this in other health related news and of course we can't end the health segment without mentioning Kelsey's favorite topic (laughs) blood donations Impact Life Indicator is encouraging folks to donate blood by offering a gift card and a tree planted in a national forest in the donor's name. Impact Life is partnering with the National Forest Foundation and estimates approximately 200,000 trees will be planted during the Give Back and Go Green promotion, which will last until May 15th. To schedule a blood donation through Impact Life, visit bloodcenter.org and check out Danette Beckett's report at heraldhyperview.com for more information on the National Forest Foundation partnership and to find out what gift cards will be available to donors. All right, Kelsey's going to take us into education with a cute story coming out of Grove Elementary School. Grove Elementary's chess club took home the state championship trophy for fourth and fifth graders last weekend, ranking top among 20 schools. With few in-person tournaments under their belts, the students earned a total of 18 points collectively when they competed in Schaumburg last weekend. Coach Rob Nunez said this was his first season leading a team, and he was excited to see how hard they worked on their extracurricular to be competitive and succeed. Brendan Dennison has the full story of these little brainiacs over at panograph.com. 
This week, Mentus Janique wrote a feature article about Fit to Serve, a faith-based nonprofit organization that uses service learning model to create opportunities for individual development and foster relationships through collaboration. The program was started by William Bill Duev seven years ago with food and gardening education programs at schools, intergenerational activities that connect children with the elderly, and gardening plots for individual use. The organization has recently appointed Bo Scott as the new director following Duev's death. Uh, this is a really interesting program serving Coles County students, so if you want to learn more, find Matus's article at jg-tc.com. Okay, going into sports, Kelsey, take it away. Do you know that Illinois State University has a hockey club sport team? Well, not only has the club been a consistent presence at the university since 1969, but they are also thriving. Club programs are not varsity sports, so they don't receive direct funding from ISU, but they are allowed to use the Redbird name as part of the university's clubs and recreation department. The program currently has 80 players spread across three teams that could be compared to varsity, junior varsity, and freshman levels. ISU is also part of the American Collegiate Hockey Association. So to learn more about the hockey club sport, find Randy Reinhardt's full report at Panagraph.com. This spring, University of Illinois football will see big changes on offense, but this week, Illini reporter Andy Kimball focused on the other side of the ball. The team lost five defensive starters after last season, leaving a lot of room for change. At free safety, Kirby Joseph and Tony Adams Jr. will need to be replaced, as well as the other corner spot opposite. Illinois' next two openings are outside linebacker and edge rusher, and lastly, the nose guard in the center of the team's three-man front. For a full breakdown and possible movements from current team members, find Illini reporter Andy Kimball's article at anywhere three sites, pentagraph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. And while March Madness does continue, all of our local teams are out. So uh, with Illini felt 68 to 53 to Houston and ISU women came up short against Iowa with a final score of 98 to 58. So uh, the fun continues this weekend, but not so much for our local fans. And uh, but with basketball coming to a close pretty soon, uh, baseball is coming up. So we're looking forward to lots of good stories coming out of our local universities as well as the Corn Belters here in Normal. Normal Police Chief Rick Bleichner announced this week that he will retire at the end of April, ending his 31-year career with the department. Bleichner has been Normal Police Chief for about 11 years, during which he has focused on building strong community partnerships. Normal City Manager Pam Reese said that the town will announce plans for Bleichner's replacement at the end of March. Panagraph reporter Kate Heather spoke with Bleichner, as well as Illinois State University Police Chief Aaron Woodruff and McLean County Sheriff John Sandage about Bleichner's career and the impact he has had on the community. To read their comments and more, find Kate's full story at Panagraph.com. A murder trial in Macon County Court had an emotional end after just three days of testimony and three hours of jury deliberation. The jury found 43-year-old Paul M. Folks guilty of first-degree murder in the June 2020 shooting death of 22-year-old Shamila Sanders. The victim's father, Shamil Sanders, had tears in his eyes when the verdict was read and exchanged hugs with his family and special prosecutor Kate Kurtz, who took on the case that sparked the man's crusade against violence indicator. Tony Reed and Clay Jackson were in the courtroom for the Herald Review this week and have full coverage of the trial and its very emotional end. You can find those reports at herald-review.com. Also in Decatur, an inquest jury this week determined Helena Sunny Beam's death to be a homicide after hearing autopsy results from Macon County Coroner Michael Day. 
An inquest is a judicial inquiry in common law jurisdictions, particularly held to determine the cause of a person's death. Jurors heard the results of Beam's autopsy, which stated the cause of the 35-year-old woman's death was multiple chopping wounds causing severe injuries and a large blood loss, consistent with a large combined blunt and sharp edge weapons such as an axe or a hatchet. Defensive type injuries were identified on the arms and hands of the victim. The autopsy showed that Beams had fought for her life but ultimately died from multiple blows to the head. On January 27th, her body was found wrapped in a blanket in a bedroom of a house in the 600 block of South Haworth Avenue, the home of her boyfriend, Daniel S. Bohm Sr. The axe used to kill her lay next to her body. Decatur Police Detective James Weddle, giving evidence, said the 63-year-old Bohm had been the prime suspect from the start after an anonymous Crime Stoppers tip said that he had killed his girlfriend. Police found the body of Beams when they executed a search warrant. Bohm was arrested January 31st and is in the custody of the Macon County Jail with a bail set at $2 million. He is pleading not guilty to three alternate charges of murder. He is due back in Macon County Circuit Court for a pretrial hearing on April 14th. To read more, find Tony Reed's full article at herald-review.com. Redditus Laboratory CEO Dr. Aaron Rossi continues to face legal challenges now with recent documents in a lawsuit filed by business partner Dr. James Davey alleging that threats have been made against witnesses who have spoke against Rossi's, quote, pillaging of the company. Last week, we talked about how Rossi, 39, of Bloomington was indicted on federal tax fraud charges. He is all facing a lawsuit, which was filed in February 2021 by Davey of Texas-based Davey and Associates Dermatopathy, who has accused Rossi of using Redditus Labs money for personal and family use and of attempting to push Davey out of the company without paying him his share. Lawyers representing Rossi said in a Wednesday court hearing that Davey is conducting a, quote, media campaign to cause harm to Redditus labs. The company has amassed more than $220 million in state contracts to provide COVID-19 testing, according to state records. Davies' lawyers accused Rossi of spending part of that money and, quote, all of his newfound COVID riches on every imaginable luxury item that he or his family desire. For more details on the lawsuit, find Kate Heather's report at panagraph.com. And now moving into some community news, members of the St. Matthew's Episcopal Church in Bloomington are coming together to alleviate hunger by packing thousands of seed packets to send to developing countries in Africa and raising money for similar efforts aimed at helping Ukrainian refugees in Poland. The seed packets, which will hold carrot and cucumber seeds, are for the nonprofit Seed Programs International, which is also hoping to establish gardens to feed Ukrainian refugees in Poland. The seed packets will be sent to people in Sierra Leone, Malawi, and possibly Uganda for subsistence farming. Healy International Relief Foundation and Children of Nations are facilitating the deliveries. Participants have packed 3,000 envelopes with seeds, which could yield around 10 tons of food on plots no bigger than half an acre. For more information, you can find Brendan Dennison's full story at panagraph.com. Story, the Golden Retriever, is picking up where his predecessor, Peyton, left off with Paw Print Ministries, but he still has big paws to fill, said founder Jennifer Don. Paw Print Ministries is a nonprofit comfort dog ministry based in Decatur in which comfort dogs, such as Story and Peyton, visit hospitals, nursing homes, schools, libraries, cancer care centers, disasters, or anywhere someone might benefit from spending time with a furry friend. The ministry's first puppy, Peyton, died unexpectedly a couple weeks ago, leaving Story to pick up the baton and carry on the tradition, Herald and Review reporter Valerie Wells wrote. 
Paw Print Ministries has several dogs and volunteers who spend 12 to 19 months in training, learning how to be calm and loving in any circumstance. The dogs must pass a temperament test, but once they're established, they can begin visiting a wide variety of places. To read more about Story and Paw Print Ministries, find Waza's full story <laughs> at heraldhyperview.com. Uh, and since last week we didn't mention St. Patrick's Day at all, I think, <laughs> somehow we managed that. Um, I just wanted to mention that Brendan Moore, our State House reporter, had a great column about St. Patrick's Day and its weirdly prevalent ties to uh, Illinois and Chicago politics. You should definitely check that out. It's super interesting. That's all. Loved seeing all of the memes about Chicago's Green River. Yes. And people like not <laughs> understanding. Anyways, that's a whole different story. Uh, so that's going to do it for us today, folks. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast and our reporting, check us out at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. While you're at it, head on over to Panagraph.com, Herald-Review.com, and JG-TC.com to look up subscription information and consider supporting hashtag local journalism.